Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burger Master. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burger Master is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burger Master on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Brian. The real estate market is crazy. Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team at Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com HB to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. Again, that's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S. and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com, click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. And welcome to episode 114 of Real Hawk Talk. This is Brian Nemhauser at Hawk Blogger on Twitter. And uh, I've got a great crew with me tonight. Um, for those that have been missing seeing her smiling face, we've got Dana O'Gorman at Dana OG on Twitter. Please send her all your best wishes as she's recovering from a little bit of a uh, an ankle surgery. So we, we want her to, to feel the best. And she's usually taking care of people. So hopefully someone's taking care of her. How are you doing, Dana? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you very much. I I, I look like I'm in a bed because I am in a bed. So I apologize for that. But um, but yeah, things are, you know, they're, they're much better than they were a few days ago. So that's good. And, awesome. and I get five weeks off of work. So well, that's amazing. <laughs> that is talk about a good time to maybe have time off of work. This might be the right exactly. time. Exactly. Um, yeah. And we appreciate your priorities. Uh, this, this show <laughs> should absolutely oh, yeah. be one of your top priorities. We, we, we are very happy to see you. Um, <laughs> as always, we've got uh, Nathan Ernst at Nathan E11 on Twitter. Nathan, how you doing, man? Pretty good. How are you? You know, I'm doing okay. I, I am. I'm a, doing a little bit of stress eating, uh, not exercising very much. Uh, still a little bit depressed and upset about the game this weekend. So, other than those things, um, you know, the heart's still beating. So I'm. I'm doing all right. Is that encouraging? No, I mean it sounds like you're mildly depressed, but uh, <laughs> at least you're in denial about it. So yeah, yeah, you know it's 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 all about coping mechanisms right now. I'm, I'm employing all the ones I can find. Um, 
Speaking of coping mechanisms and mental illness, uh, let's welcome in Evan Hill at Evan in SC. What was that introduction? <laughs> that was the best Evan introduction that, ever. Oh right my there. God. <laughs> that was like an all time moment on the podcast. Speaking of horrible people and the last person you ever want to hear from, here's no. Evan Hill. Oh, <laughs> you, are, you are the first person that most of the people on the pod want to hear from. Um, oh, yeah, I'm sure. Because of your emotional instability that, that pulls people <laughs> into your web. So, you know, it's, it's appreciated. How you doing, my friend? I'm alive. I'm doing well and uh, hanging in there. I'm excited to be here. Good, good. Well, um, I think we know where we got to start. Um, we had a post-game show for the first time this season following a loss. And it was an epic loss. We were not happy with what we saw. And one of the topics that we brought up in that podcast was, holy hell, there's no way that John Schneider and Pete Carroll watched that game where they played five quarters of football and did not have a single sack or a single quarterback hit. And I think had less than five pressures total it's somewhere between like one and 14 pressures, depending yeah, on where right, you depends on who you're talking to, right? <laughs> uh, and they couldn't have seen all that happen and not make a move. And lo and behold, what happened this morning? The Seahawks traded for Carlos Dunlap, defensive end for the Cincinnati Bengals, longtime defensive end for the Bengals. Uh, and they gave up one BJ Finney. He has zero snaps um, for the Seahawks, um, expected to be the starting center, ended up losing that job to Ethan Posick, and a seventh-round pick. So this was a, this was a deal uh, that we had talked about, at least a target we had talked about. It's definitely a need we had talked about. I want to hear from each one of you what you thought when you heard about the deal um, and what you think Carlos Dunlap means for this team. Dana, I want to start with you on this one. Sure. Well, you know, I will say our chat was quite entertaining before we knew exactly what was going on. Um, you know, we, we had heard that Seattle was going to go after Dunlap and that, um, and then we heard a few minutes later that it was going to be a player and a pick. And so then, of course, our speculation went off, you know, the rocker and went a little crazy and it was super fun. Um, I don't think one of us picked... Finney as the player that would go as we were talking about different players that might be part of that trade. Um, but I will say this, um, I I'm thrilled with the trade. This, this to me shows as much as some of our fellow, um, real Hawk talkers, um, don't always like what John Snyder does. This is where he shows his brilliance, where he finds these players that Seattle needs desperately and that Seattle will use appropriately, we hope, um, for basically pennies. And that's no disrespect to Finney. We just didn't, Seattle just doesn't need Finney right now. You know, Postic is playing very, very well. And how attractive is that going to be for the Bengals to get a player that was already in their division? And so it was just, it was just brilliant. Um, the, the way he, he put this together. We, there, I have a friend, my friend Shona, who is actually a huge Seahawks fan from Scotland. And she says, Dana, he did it again. And she put a picture of Dumbledore. Cause we always say you're a wizard, John, because just sometimes the things that he does are wizardly. So we, we have, I, I was thrilled with the terms and the way it came out. 
as for what Dunlap will bring, I think that's the question mark because this year has not been his normal year. He has not looked like himself. And we can hope that was due to his unrest and unhappiness being in Cincinnati. Um, as we've all heard, you know, he put his house on the market at halftime of the last game, like he's out, like he's done. And so hopefully some of that production um, from the last couple of years where he's had fantastic production will show back up. And I will tell you in some of the comments I was seeing within the Bengals community and the Bengals fans, they expect him to go back to being normal. They said, oh, Seattle is going to get the good Dunlap. They're going to get, he's going to work hard for them. He'll probably get a ring. And they were, they were equally sad, but happy for him at the same time, which I think says a lot about the type of player and the type of fan base that he had. Ah, yeah, no, we definitely saw that. We've, we've seen since he uh, came on and uh, his Instagram saying he was uh, something like scared as blank, uh, I, I think, but really excited, something like that um, to, to, to move over. Evan, um, what was your first, like your gut reaction? The first thing when you saw the news break, what was your initial reaction? Oh, shit. What did we give up? Um because because I think we all deep down knew that they were going to make a move. Um, we didn't know who, but I think we were all in agreement that they were going to do something. Uh, the terms of the trade as you know came out later as Dana said, a seventh round pick as well as BJ Feeney, that is an incredible incredibly stupid cheap uh, you know, side of compensation from Seattle's perspective. Like that's a seventh round pick. BJ was a backup, uh, carried a semi-decent salary. Nathan, you're laughing. I don't know why you're laughing, but you're going to make me laugh. Nathan, just, are you okay? No. Yeah. I just, I agree. I can't believe that they, they got him for BJ Feeney. <laughs> <laughs> What's so funny. No, it's no, nothing. It's, it's incredible. Did I pre- asking you that he, his name is BJ Feeney. Finney? It's okay, yes, it's, it's okay. It's, it's, no, it's, no, don't lie. It's he—he's uh—he's actually the son of Mister Feeney uh, from uh, Saved by the Bell. Crap, I don't know. <laughs> um, as I was saying uh, before, my co-host distracted me. Um, the compensation is just stupidly cheap. Like they get to offload a, you know, what ends up being a. Ended up potentially being a bad contract, and not a you know catastrophic contract or anything like that. But um, they did sign him to a two-year, eight million dollar deal. He's not a starter, so for a backup, that's not good money. Um, so that's how they made the cap financials work. You know, before they trade, they had like one point one million dollars in, in in cap space per the official NFL wire. Carlos Dunlap's remaining salary or cap hit for the year is like five point three seven five. So. Um, offloading uh, Finney, you know, sort of equated that to, or, or at least close enough for them to not worry about it for now. So um, we are all sort of, as Dana said, you know, speculating as to who, who, who the player was that we were going to trade. I think there was, um, you know, some talk about KJ, which felt like crazy talk. You know, I, I think everybody thought of his salary though. Jaron Reed, um, was another person, but he's still young and sort of has potential. So I think, yeah, I mean, I, that's a super long-winded answer, but like, I don't know how you can't be happy ecstatic with this trade. Like Seattle got a player who, a player who was an elite defender in 2019, like an elite defender, like top 10 pass rusher last year. He had something like 
probably close to 50% of, so, so he had, I think it was 8.5 sacks last year. What would have that been in terms of like Seattle's total sacks last year? I mean, more like, than twice their, their leading sacker. Exactly. So it's like, it's a pretty good deal. Even if he like shits the bed and doesn't do anything, like you really can't complain about the compensation. It's funny you say ecstatic. That was not my reaction. And, Why? And, um, I don't think the Seahawks are a Carlos Dunlap away from solving their problems on defense. Um, and, and so I was happy. I was, ha- I was definitely happy and like, you know, pleased with the deal, pleased with moving things around. Um, for me, there's unfinished business. I, this feels like step one. Um, but, I still think there's more to come. But Brian, doesn't this sort of feel – so I completely agree with what you just said. Um, but don't you feel like this sort of um, feels like recognition from them that, like, finally they're admitting that, like, you know what? We kind of fucked up. Like, doesn't it kind of feel like that? Like, remember all of Pete Carroll's comments in the offseason where he was like, oh, no, we have a ton of confidence in our guys. Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Don't you feel like this kind of changes that dynamic? I wish you said blah, 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 because that would have made more sense than what they said <laughs> most of the offseason regarding their pass rush. So, so Nathan, yes. I mean, I, I want to get to you on this too. We talked about this all offseason, and we knew that this pass rush wasn't good enough. For whatever reason, the team thought it was. And even today, Pete Carroll said something along the lines of, Losing Bruce Irvin was a massive loss. And I'm like, really? I mean, it was a loss. I think to say that was a massive loss is a real generous stretch. I feel there's a little selective amnesia all of a sudden here, Brian. Like, uh, me and you were both, you know, start of the year arguing that this pass rush should be better than it was last year, right? Yeah. And made the bet on it. So, you know, this idea that, like, losing Bruce Irvin was nothing. Uh, no, not nothing, but a massive loss. I, you I know, what he, you're trying to say is Evan was right. No, 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 no. Yeah. It sure no. sounds like it. N- no. I mean. So, you were more right. You were more right than we were. That's for yeah. sure. Okay, well, I'll, I mean, take you've I'll take that. I'll take that. Proven out, you've proven out right. I mean this path rush has not worked right i mean one of the things that we were saying when we said that the path rush could be better was that you were going to have more bodies more quality path rushers than last year and that you could manufacture more path rush than having like just clowny right and you know we argued last night about this with or i I did at least with ben a little bit about you know how important clinton jefferson was and some of that stuff but that was the idea right and so you know you look at what's happened this year so far um Irvin got hurt, Green got hurt, Taylor hasn't gotten right. So, you know, that's three guys that we were looking at as, you know, contributors and and they've all been out. And so that whole theory of yeah, you kind of swung and missed a little missed a little bit in free agency, but you did at le- you do at least have like something here, right? There's an idea here. And that quickly went away, right? And then and then the big risk was, well, what is Mayo going to do with the full-time role? Uh and you know who knows exactly why but it looks like uh it looks like he's gonna do very little with a full-time role right i mean he's he's imploded so far this year so um 
you know, I think that there's a lot of opportunity for this defense to get better now. And I think that, you know, had Dunlap been a free agent in this offseason and they had acquired him, you know, in August or whatever or July or whatever, um, you know, I think he would have been a, a second tier free agent, right? He's not like a Quinn or a Fowler and, you know, Quinn hasn't been good, but, you know, just talking about perception at the time, like Fowler or some of those other really top-notch guys, but he would have been like that next tier of, I think it would have I mean, been like JPP level, honestly. I think we would have been excited, right, uh, if they had signed him. One um, of my favorite parts of this deal, sorry to jump in there, Nathan, is is that this isn't necessarily a, a one-year rental. He's under yeah. contract for next year. And it, let's say let's say he's good this year. I think it's like, is Let it me like pull it up. 11 million next year or something, but it's like... So they're not on the hook for his signing bonus because the Bengals have paid that. So it's $10.6 million is what they yeah, owe him next that's, year. That is very, I mean, that's very reasonable if he is a starting quality edge rusher, that's like a deal. So I to mean, me, that's the, the thing I'm most interested in here because every year before this year, he has been one of the top 25% of edge rushers in the NFL pretty much every year. So you're adding him in now, right? You're, he's an upgrade over Bruce. You're getting Rasheem Green back. Uh, you know, so maybe you can rotate Mayo a little bit. And maybe that helps him get back to his production level, uh, you know, where he was the last year or two. So, I, you know, maybe ecstatic is too strong of a word. But I, I think that this could have a big impact on the defense. It's not going to fix it, right? Because that secondary has problems, right? Um, Dunbar has been iffy. Flowers has been straight bad. Quill is hurt right now. Um, you know, we'll see what happens when they get Adams back there too. But uh, it's not a it's not a silver bullet for their problems. But I think it could, even though he's not like a star player, and even though they have more than it's going to take more than one player to fix this. They have more than one player that they're adding in at this point. So I think there's a lot of reasons for optimism. I get really excited, Dana, when Nathan is optimistic. I'm like, always wrong. It doesn't happen very often. That is like, <laughs> well, you know, that's reason to get a little bit excited. Well, and we can't forget either that our, you know, our dear Jeff Simmons, who's not here with us, he told us to put out there how excited he is about this trade. He loves it. So between both of them being excited, yes, that's pretty exciting. I mean, that's Canadian excitement. You've got <laughs> Ernst excitement. Like, this is a big deal. Can I? Yes, Can I, I wanted to qualify my ecstatic word a little bit further. Um, the reason I said ecstatic is because I don't think it's going to be the last pass rush move they make. It feels like they're admitting publicly, admitting like defeat in a way <laughs> that they needed to bring in somebody from the outside, whether it's due to injury or whatever, just not being good enough or not executing well enough. It doesn't feel like they're done. I'll just say that. And I, and I feel like another move is coming. And for that, for that feeling, for that gut feeling, it leaves me uh, being ec ecstatic, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, um, so it's not just that move in isolation, if that makes sense. Like it does, it does. And, and I mean, I, I just, I think, I think it, it doesn't need to be said, but I'm going to say it anyway. And you guys can all just like, you know, shake your heads at me. But the reality is we've been here before many times where the Seahawks make a move for a player 
that has had production somewhere else and maybe is not producing as much and you hope that they get here and all of a sudden it turns around and more times than not those moves have not worked out for the Seahawks more I don't think times that's true than- of this type of moves there's two Seahawks trades okay There's what are the, the categories Nathan? are you talking about like you're talking like the quandre Diggs type of trade yep. versus the sheldon richardson type yes. of- no, we're, ta- we're talking the good trades versus the bad trades right there there's the big splash trades right <laughs> percy harvin jimmy graham sheldon richardson Dwayne brown right so One you're of admitting that out. jimmy graham was a major failure uh no he was very good for them but he was not what he was supposed to be obviously right they never did figure out a way to work him in the offense because pete was too stubborn to actually pass the ball at the time uh so <laughs> uh but then there's but then there's these other ones right especially these player trades right like the clinton mcdonald uh the quandre Diggs, right i think there's probably one or two more that that we could talk about chris clemens Chris Clemens to some degree, right? I mean, some of these, not all these mid-season, but uh, yeah. But yeah, and this one fits more into that category, right? Of the the buy low uh, type thing that's that has worked out pretty well for them. Yeah, so I I, I get that in terms of you're not going to regret, you're not going to regret making this trade, period. There's no way you're going to regret making this trade. So to that extent, I totally agree. My point is, you know, I think it's reasonable to have temper some expectations that this guy who has one sack on the year, we are hoping, we are counting on the fact that he was not happy there, he was not motivated there, that that's the reason he was not producing, and that he can turn it on and be a difference maker, and if not right away, appoint the rest of the season. That's what we're counting on, but I think there, it, it's worth acknowledging there's no guarantee that that's the case. But I think we have to kind of qualify that too, to a certain extent of, do we want 10 sacks out of him? Of course we do. We'll be happy. Will we be happy with five? We'll be, we'd be happy if he just starts rushing the passer. I mean, seriously. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, at this point, any help is good help. And I think that we have to keep that in mind, especially for what this trade cost us, which was basically nothing. I'm happy with two sacks three sacks yeah, I, i'd be good with four i, I mean. would take a sack in a house i would take a sack with a mouse like. <laughs> i like it yeah i mean um and, and the other thing i do like about this is is like there's a lot of potential options they could have gone after um uh, with this that could have been more expensive or like i know evan you're big on tack mckinley i'm way more excited about carlos dunlop than i would have been about tack mckinley and they still might get tack mckinley but mckinley's younger Dunlap is a much more professional pass rusher than, than McKinley's ever proven to be. Sure. I I don't disagree at all. And I think McKinley would have cost more probably too. And so like, as far as the options of who they could have gotten, Dunlap was right near the top for me. I mean, Kerrigan's up there as well. Was there someone else that you guys were like hoping they would have said uh, they would have acquired instead of Dunlap that was higher on your list um, as far as a, a, a pass rusher? Well, I know what your answer is going to be, Brian. Dunlap <laughs> was pretty much the top of my list. What, what do you think my answer is going to be? I, you know, I, there was a lot of conversation in, in, in our chat room about Alden Smith. Yes. And I know that that conversation is valid. I think that um, there's still enough question marks around that. I don't know that I would have put him at the top of my list, but I think it's, it's definitely a valid option. 
Yes. So to clarify, I've been a, I've been the person banging the drum for Alden Smith. The reason he wasn't at the top of my list is because if I'm factoring in feasibility that he was really available, I'm not sure he True. was. True. Um, but but yeah, like I I I think he has he would have been pretty much. He's also only a million bucks. Like like he's he would even be less than that for the yeah. rest of this year. So he's super cheap, yeah. and uh, I just think that would have been a nice deal. Still might happen. Who knows. Evan, how about you? Any, Nathan, do you guys have anyone that you were like, yeah, if, if it had been someone else, you would have gotten more excited than, than hearing Dunlop? Or is it pretty much like, ah, they're all the same. Just give me one of them. No, I don't remember. Who got traded yesterday? Everson uh, Griffin. Griffin yeah. got traded yesterday, yeah. And I was kind of, we talked about this, and uh, I was kind of met about it. I, I wasn't too sad about missing out on him. And Jeff asked who who I wanted of everyone, and Dunlop was my guy. So that's true. I'm, I'm really happy about it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's a huge difference among the the players available right now, unless you're talking like a JJ Watt. But I think I was a, gonna say, yeah. But I think that's a completely different compensation, right? Like he's not gonna be a first round pick, but he's not also not gonna be a seventh round pick. So well, that salary, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that you're gonna get. Like, I think JJ Watt. Let's talk about that for a second. I okay. Mean, uh, people are curious. Um, one, his salary is insane, so I, I can't imagine that it's even doable. But let's for a so second. let's let's frame that um, okay. to Help pay him for the rest of the year. It would be um, ten million about for twenty twenty. Would you swap Jaron Reed? I knew you were going to ask that. I knew it. Of course you would. Hundred percent. Where where do I sign? Where do I? Su- I'm actually surprised to hear Brian say that. Long no, no, hold on. Long hold time on. Jaron Reed defender. Hold on, hold on. Hold Number on. one Jaron Reed fan. Yeah, Brian big time, big time. I'm not even arguing with you about that because because I'm on record and I'm comfortable with my record on the JJ <laughs> on the Jaron Reed situation. But I was shocked today that how many people when I said the names that it could have been for Dunlop um, in exchange to get salary. Jaron Reed, he's the most salary that was realistic. I think he's five million that you could save if you traded Jaron Reed. Um, and then LJ Collier was another name I threw out there. I think he's two or three million. Um, and there were people just standing for both of those guys. LOL, there's no way they're trading Jaron Reed. He's young and he's got so much potential. I'm like, he was young years ago. He had his season this was the year that he had reasonably to come back and prove mm-hmm. that that potential was going to be something that was sustainable. He has not proved at all. So I don't know what anyone else is waiting for. There's not some other shoe to drop with Jaron Reed. He is who he is. And LJ Collier, people are like, oh man, he was injured last year. His trajectory is like through the roof. I think that people's perceptions are skewed by the trajectory of this defensive line is basically like a flat line. So anyone that's even a little bit better than last year looks, I don't know. There is not a single person on the defensive line, maybe Puna Ford, but just maybe that I would really bat an eye if the Seahawks included them in a deal for almost anybody, even if it's a one-year rental, there's nobody on this defensive line who I'm like, gotta have them next year core player ryan monet being too harsh are there guys that you guys are like that's crazy i cannot imagine there's a trade that makes a lot of sense for brian monet 
<laughs> not not because he's amazing or anything, but but because he looks pretty good and is like dirt cheap. Like that's not a guy you trade. Fair. He's he's there's such little that you could get for him, and he is he is the only only guy that's outperformed his contract and his expectations on the defensive line. Fair. But like Jaron Reed, like Dana, I mean, you're, you're, you're as positive of a person as we have on this show. Um, and we, and we love you for it. Are, would you, would you ha- like have any hesitation if tomorrow you find out they've traded Jaron Reed and they get Geno Atkins instead of JJ Watt? Yeah, my, my hesitation with that first conversation was J.J. Watt, and it's not that he's not the absolute Hall of Fame superstar that he is. It's just that for some reason he can't ever make it a whole season on a field. And so it's like, would it be would would that you know risk be worth the cost? Yeah, maybe for a couple of games. Like if we could get him for like this next couple of weeks of divisional games, heck yeah, bring him on. But you know, long term, I don't know that that's really logical or viable. So um, it, he just. He seems the type, and and I don't know JJ Watt. I you know, but you know that another shortened season or another injured year, and he'll be done. And so, you know, on his own account, he'll decide to. So I just don't know that that would be logical. You start looking around the league. Sure, there's a lot of players I think that you could trade for. Um, and would I bat an eye at losing any of them? No, not really. None of them. You know, on the line itself. Of course, I threw a little fit in chat today when the KJ was brought up just because he's played better this year than we've seen him in years. That would be crazy. Illogical to get rid of him. It makes no sense whatsoever, especially since he's on the last year of his deal anyway. And so that doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but when you get to the line and you look at, you know, I, I, I don't, I think even I'd include Puna in that. Not that I, I like the way Puna, Puna is playing this year, but I think there isn't anyone that would be horrifically missed if they ended up on a chopping block somewhere for some other team, but in the same turn, what team, I know that there's illogical teams out there, but what team would want anyone from this line when they've been struggling so, so badly? I I don't think that that there would necessarily be a market for any of them right now. Yeah. And the only other guy I think we've talked about, um, Evan, correct me if I'm wrong, if there's other cap um, options is Jacob Hollister. There's people saying, Oh, don't trade Jacob Hollister guys. Like we've got, We've got uh, Will Disley and Greg Olson and Luke Wilson, whatever Luke Wilson's worth. And you've got Colby Parkinson, who's just coming off the injured list. Jacob Hollister is like an easy decision to, mm-hmm. to move on. Yes, I mean, I like Hollister. I'm happy we have him. I think he has good rapport with Russell. But heck yeah, you move a guy where you have a surplus in order to improve anything on the defense right now. I have a question for you, Brian. This you you asked the cap thing, and it got me looking at their roster. Would you consider because the Seahawks are limited in, in draft ammo? Would you consider moving Quandre Dix for a pass rusher? I would like, consider it at this point. Like and I'm talking think, like an equal. Because I think I think you've got DJ Reed coming off the injured list that could potentially slide in at either safety or at nickel corner. I don't. I'm not saying I love that move or it would be one of my top five things. Would I consider it? Potentially. I mean, it really depends on what you're getting in return. Yeah, I, I'm just curious because he carries a semi big salary this year of, you know, five point two million. And uh, do you guys all agree that he's 
not outperforming expectations. He's been kind of quiet. It feels like. Yeah, I I think that has somewhat, and I'm a big Diggs fan. You, you guys know that, but I I think that that is somewhat of a reflection of the rest of the the defense. That line has not played well enough for him to be able to do his job properly. But does that excuse it? No, of course not. You know, but we got real excited when we saw what he could do last year, and, and maybe if we, we get did. the right pieces back in place, he'll be able to to cover that span and do his job again. I guess my question is 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 the drop-off from Quandre Diggs, so this defense with Quandre Diggs, to like a Ryan Neal and a Jamal Adams back there, an equivalent pass rusher, you know, in talent perspective, I'm making a lot of assumptions here, but you, you, do you see what I'm saying? Like if we yeah. shifted the resources. I don't think Ryan Neal is an option. At, they, they're different safeties. The mm-hmm. only guys that could potentially be a replacement for Diggs would maybe be Reed or um, uh, Ugo. Those are the only two guys that could potentially slide in at free safety. I think it's a big risk. Mm-hmm. Um, even Quandre Diggs being like mediocre this year, I think is at least, you know, he's going to be assignment correct, um, which is, you know, it's at least something. <laughs> yeah. favorite thing, assignment correct players. Yeah. <laughs> There's just really not any other salary options in terms of moving players outside of Jacob Hollister. You know, it was interesting. Um, I had someone ask me on Twitter today. They said, you know, Dana, how did Seattle get here? How did they get so tight with their cap space and so tight with their um, draft picks? Because it seemed not too long ago that we had plenty of both. And that just quickly disappeared um, and, and kind of put us in the space where we're like, well, can't do that. There's not room. Can't do that. There's not room. And I know every team goes through that. It was just, it just seemed like quite a shift for just being this few many weeks, you know, into the season. Well, uh, many of the deals they made this off season were short in, in length. So the Mm -hmm. cap hits are very high up front for, I'll give you an example. Um, I'm looking at uh, Greg Olson. I mean, he costs $7 million this year. Like yeah. in one in one hit, like you know, that's when we were starting off the off season with like fifty million in cap space or whatever. So that's like almost twenty percent of that. Um, they gave Jaron Reed a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um, Carlos Hyde's contract is is bigger than anticipated. It's like four point five million on a one year deal. Um, Hollister is like three and a half. Hollister's three and a half. BJ, you know, Finney was uh, four million this year. Like they're it, it just adds up and mm-hmm. the short length of the deals, you know, but my question to you again, because I remember you guys were complaining, not that you ever do that boy, you never <laughs> complain, but what you, you know, you guys might've been complaining that they had money to spend. They had money to spend. They needed to spend the money, spend the money. Yeah. So they spent the money. And so now we're in this situation. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I find it fascinating that it's, it's such a tightrope and I'm not trying to, you know, bail out a front office. We all know how hard that job is, but you know, that balance is something that's really hard and you do end up making decisions about players like Hollister, but you know, players like that, that I think that just, they just have to be made sometimes. I I get at what you're saying. And I think the argument, at least Nathan and I would make probably Brian too, is that yes, they spent money, but they didn't spend it in the right places. (laughs) You know, like they gave Jaron Reed and what's his face. Um, uh, and, oh, yeah, and, and and all those guys like we're talking up to like 28 million dollars in but i think we're line. painting it we're painting with one brush i i mm-hmm. i, I would say because next year that all goes away 
they did not spend properly on the defensive line. They they didn't have a complete plan on the defensive line. I don't think Mayo and Irvin, even you, Evan, were like, okay, with those signings, we just wanted a alpha pass rusher and they never got that person. Um, And so that was one piece as far as the other, like they spent on offensive line, like Brandon Shell, uh, Mike Hardy, those were good, good places to spend that money. And um, Brandon Shell, I think, has been one of maybe, I think you go across the league, he might be one of the best free agent signings in the whole NFL. Like for the money he signed for and for the role he's playing. And this is coming from a guy that was incredibly skeptical. Yeah, we got to eat some crow on that one. <laughs> Hell, oh, they yeah. nailed, they oh, nailed huge, the offensive line. Huge L. Yeah. But they nailed the offensive that? line because mm-hmm. Shell has been I mean he hasn't been great but he's been a like a a, a a starter quality right tackle which is just unbelievably nice right uh and then Apati's been fine uh and then you know Finney didn't work out but he was a player that had enough value even though he didn't work out here and didn't end up starting that they were able to include him in a trade and a team was interested in him as a, like a positive asset so uh I think you know, yeah, I think what you said is right, Brian. We wanted them to spend big, right? And then, you know, a couple big signings, you know, and it wasn't just defensive line. We talked about um, the, was it Conklin or who was it that was available on the offensive line? There was a couple guys. Falaga, yes. Yeah. So a couple guys on the offensive line that we were talking about. What? Beluga. <laughs> Sorry, continue. Did I say Beluga? No, I said Evan did. Oh. You say the names right. Names. Okay, all right, <laughs> that that story. that that tracks. Okay. Anyway, yeah. so yeah, I think the idea, the thing that we were hoping they would do is that they would go big in a couple places and then find a bunch of filler, right? But no matter what they were going to do, they were going to have to spend all their money this year because, like, you know, we talked a lot about like, okay, well, if they spend a ton of money on like Clowney and someone else, what are they doing on offensive line? If they spend money on the offensive line, they have like zero defense, defensive tackles and. You know, ended up they paid Reed and Monet was good. So there was no way that they were going to come out of that offseason without having spent up most all of that money. Yeah. And we won't go into this full offseason review. I mean, I, I, you know, I still am a fan of the Jamal Adams deal and a fan of the Quentin Dunbar deal. And there's other things that they did that, that I think were positive. I think it's easy to just, but the defense, the pass rush plan was flawed, majorly flawed. Um, and I think that's just proven true. And I think they're, whether they're going to acknowledge it or not, that's what's happening now. They're having to go out and make these deals. And I don't think they're done. Um, and I, before we move off of this, because we also we do have to start talking about Jamal Adams and this game coming up and the injury situation, because it's a long list, folks. Um, by a, a show of, of uh, voices here. Is there anyone here that thinks they're done um, trading? That, that your bet is that they're not going to make another move? I'll bet that. Okay. Is uh, it because might... you just think it's going to be unlikely or that they're not even trying to make another move? That it's unlikely. Um, they might end up picking up like a, a Don Terry Poe type cut or something like that, but I don't know that they'll pull off another trade at this point. Yeah, they said today there was a report that Poe got cut because he was too fat. He used weight. He wouldn't couldn't get his weight down or something. I was like, oh, freaking Lord isn't Terry like Jones. Part of the deal though, like isn't that part of the appeal of Don Terry Poe? Oh my gosh! Yeah. Thank well, God, my you know my office doesn't have similar rules, uh, <laughs> given my eating habits the past few weeks. So, uh, um, so let's 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 shift and talk a little bit about um, 
injury situation. So uh, I'm going to quickly run down the, the Seahawks injury situation and their injury report that was listed today for folks that haven't heard this. Um, running back, a little bit more like sitting back or something. Like there's not a lot of running going on in the Seahawks backfield. Chris Carson, midfoot sprain, did not rule him out for this game, but will not give, will not actually get to the field until the end of this week. Okay. Um, can talk about it. my guess is he's going to try to play. Chris Carson has been clear that he's, his goal is to play in every game this year and to lose the label of being injury prone. We'll see. Mm. Uh, Carlos Hyde did not practice hamstring. Uh, does not sound like it's super serious, but he did not practice. Travis Homer, bruised knee, did not practice today. Um, so there are your top three running backs, none of whom practiced. DJ Dallas also showed up on the injury report with an arm injury. He did practice, full participant, but he did show up on the injury report. So on the running back position, something that I will add that that's come up, uh, the Seahawks can't pick up a running back and play them this week. Do the COVID rules and all those things. They're, they, they're stuck with who they've got. So they are talking about, quote, creative thoughts. And <laughs> the expectation there is that that would be either Penny Hart, who played running back in high school, wide receiver, or David Moore um, as options as uh, filling a running back. Who so, used the word uh, or the phrase creative thoughts? Who do you think? Was it Pete Carroll? It was, of course, it was Pete Carroll. <laughs> That's so funny. Yes. I just had a vision of like some big fat defensive tackle coming up. <laughs> just taking a, you know. I just want to say, I just want to say, you know, when you look at the injury report like this and you have so many players that are on it, uh, I'm just so thankful that they spent a first round pick on a reliable, the most healthy re- running back that they've ever seen. Ryan. Best Kirk. medical grades a player could get. So, you know, even though, even when the world's falling apart like this, you have the health analytics to rely on. You have Rashad Penny right there, Mr. Reliable, always available, ready to to carry the rock. My heaven. (laughs) It's just nice. It's just nice to have that backstop there, you know? Nathan, Uh, I was going to say Travis Homer is out on, or potentially, or he's injured. Does that not concern you? Like, is the game not over already? I don't know her. I don't know her. The sarcasm is very deep, boys. Yes. Very so, deep. So, so folks that don't know, Nathan has some ideas about Travis Homer. I, I, we won't go into that <laughs> at this point. But um, I will note for, for the Twitter masses who uh, got into it, um, Travis Homer uh, gets snaps because he is a good blitz pickup pass protecting running back. He got a horrible pass protecting grade in Arizona. So he did poorly. Everyone noticed that DJ Dallas, I think also did really poorly uh, in blitz pickup, almost got Russell destroyed. Um, So yeah, that's an issue. I don't think Travis Homer uh, did, did much to help his case uh, uh, last week on that front. Um, Let's keep going on injuries because there's more Mikey potty back did not practice today did not practice last week did not play i think this is two weeks in a row now so i think this is something to be concerned about that at least this might be this might turn into something more serious um quentin dunbar 
did not practice, but it's just resting vet. So I'm not worried about that. Shaquille Griffin. Shaquille Griffin did not practice today in the concussion protocol. Guys, in my experience, when someone's in the concussion protocol still on Wednesday, the likelihood of them playing on Sunday is pretty low. Mm -hmm. How concerned are you about the potential absence of Shaquille Griffin for this defense? I'm inoculated it at this point. Like, okay. I've been hurt enough by Trey Flowers that I don't I don't feel anything anymore. Can't hurt me anymore, Trey. I just want to see points. I'm gonna see some points. Points are fun. Points are fun. He's how like, much not fun gonna, when they're against us, man. They're not I'm, fun. I'm gonna pose Eat a question. It. I'm gonna pose a question. Trey Flowers is very bad at playing football. Okay. Not a question. Well, well no, the question is <laughs> coming, nerd. Okay. How much worse is the defense? going from Shaquille Griffin to Trey Flowers. Like, is it significantly worse? Sig. Yeah. I don't know if I buy that. I don't know if I buy that. You are so down on Shaquille Griffin because he started off the season poorly. And yeah, I am. Been, 100%. You, you had been super out over your skis on Shaquille Griffin. They should sign 100%. him. 100%. It's so the, you're hurt personally about Shaquille Griffin. You've lost your objectivity. Correct. pretty darn well since then. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think he actually really has to because uh, this defense, I mean, it's gotten better, but it's not a super structurally sound defense at all times. Right. And we've seen Dunbar get, get burned by it a little bit. Right. And obviously Quill struggled with it early. Um, and he just hasn't been a problem for like four or five weeks now. Uh, and he had a really good game in there too against Miami, right? So I, I think he's actually, I mean, the pendulum has swung so far on him, right? Where we were all, we were all super high on him as a rookie. And then we were all super down on him as a sophomore player. And then, you know, oh, he's great again. And then he had a couple bad games and he's terrible. And oh my God, are they even going to resign him? And now I think it's swung back the other way where I think he's a little underrated and we're maybe not quite appreciating that. I mean, who, like, you know, of the healthy secondary players, like he's easily the the best, right? I mean, he's the one that you don't actually have to worry about. I I would take Dunbar over Shaquille, um, actually, but it's not like by a lot. <laughs> so I mean, um, I mean Shaquille is not. I'm not going to make the case that he's like great. Mm-hmm. I, I just think he has been acceptable and he's not been the major problem. He's not been the one getting picked on when Trey flowers comes into the game. Mm-hmm. He immediately is targeted last game against Arizona. He came in for one play. They threw deep. Deion Hawkins was five yards and Kyler Murray just, I mean, it was, he's just bad. He, he's, he is not NFL. I don't think he can play right now. And so I think it's a huge issue. Um, the it, only thing that makes me feel a little bit better about him potentially missing is that the 49ers are missing Debo Samuel. Mm-hmm. In Seattle's last three games, for what it's worth, Pro Football Focus has graded Trey Flowers above Shaquille Griffin in two out of those three games. That site can have flaws. So you disagree with the grading? I, I do. If, there, okay. if there's 
they actually graded Trey Flowers well against Arizona. They did. They did. And that is batshit crazy. Like he, mm-hmm. I don't know how and why, what measure they could have ended up with a good grade for Trey Flowers in that game. So I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm like, you know, I, I don't see every play the way that they do. But every time I saw him in the screen, his player was open or making a play. Well, so right. they graded him super high in the tackling category. And we, we do know that tackling was an issue on Sunday. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, he has been a consistent tackler for the most part. Yes. Yeah, because he's had a lot of opportunities to get graded. Guys, well. often has the ball in his hands. <laughs> um, guys, we're not done. Ugo Amadi, hamstring, did not practice. That's a, That's a problem. Yes. So we're talking about two out of the three starting corners. Benson Mayoa, ankle, did not practice. Freddie Swain, hamstring, did not practice. Now, the big one for me, Jamal Adams. Pete Carroll said he was going to practice in a limited fashion. He did not practice today. What the hell is going on with Jamal Adams? Dana? What's going on? He'll be fine, Brian. <laughs> fine. When? Four-letter F-word version of fine. You'll, you, you'll say he's fine as he's being laid down into a coffin <laughs> in the ground. Like, <laughs> I want to see him play football. Fine. I want to see the man play football. Uh, you know, it's this is uh, – we all know groins are tricky. We understand that there's no timeline for them. I get it. What I'm not understanding is – is the kind of um, disconnection with Pete saying today that he was going to practice limited and then he didn't makes you think that he had a setback, but they didn't say that there was a setback. But as we know, Pete's been a little wackadoodle this year about the whole injury report and if they're going to play and they don't. And he was like hopping around questions. Here's the thing. I don't want Jamal Adams to play until he is 100% just because I think that the, second half of this season is a little more important now I know we're in a really bad crunch and I know we have that ridiculously easy stretch that Seattle has but then you get down those end of season games and the playoffs I want Jamal Adams healthy I don't think we will have any idea what the potential of this defense is though until he is on the field continuously like I'm talking multiple games in a row now (laughs) will getting well, I know, right? And I, I'm not being sarcastic. It's true. It's like we need to see what's going on there. Um, but it, it is interesting because wherever he is at, you know, they have on the depth chart, they have Ryan Neal and safety and cornerback. And so he could fit in. Then there's always Randall that can fit in. But I think that we're all just waiting. We're waiting for Jamal Adams to come back. We want him to play against the Niners. We all do. Do I think he has a chance this week? Yeah. And I know I don't take Wednesday injury reports near as seriously as you guys do. I'm going to be real honest with you, except for when it comes to concussions. I do completely agree with you there, Brian. Um, But I think that, you know, we're just going to have to wait and see. And that sucks. It just, it completely sucks. But let me tell you, I'd be real happy to see Adams against the Bills because we're definitely going to need him there. Yeah. And, and everyone that's freaking out in the chat pod. Yes. He was listed as missing practice with groin slash illness. So everyone that's assuming that he missed practice because the illness had nothing to do with the groin is basing that off of just the injury report. There's no confirmation from anybody that he missed practice due to illness. Um, and so until he practices, the, the point of the fact is until he practices, 
He's not going to play. That's the point. Mm-hmm. So I personally believe he could be the difference between winning and losing this weekend. I think against this particular offense and the style of offense they play, a lot of their plays are within five yards of the line of scrimmage. And a player like Jamal Adams is custom built for a game like this. I think without him, I, I think it's going to be a lot tougher, um, a lot tougher. And that might sound obvious, but I think in, the, in particular, this game, he is key. So that's the, that's the name, even more than Shaquille Griffin, that's the name I've got my eye on. All right, guys, that was the injury report. It only took half the show to go through the Seahawks <laughs> injury report. Um, is anybody kind of oddly hopeful that we get to see DJ Dallas, you know, at running back? Like, I would kind of like that. Anybody? Am I on, am I on my own here? I mean, why not? We got to see what the kids got, right? I mean, let's do it. Throw them in there. Trial by fire. Let's go. Why not? <laughs> I mean, they're not running the ball that much anyway, right? Like, we, you guys true. want Russell to throw, throw, throw. And so why not? Just throw him in there, see what he can do. I was going to say, like, you must be really excited for his three carries that he's going to get on Sunday. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because our head coach is analytically minded now and radicalized <laughs> and an extremist. Unless it's third and two. And then Damian Lewis. By the way, you saw what happened. Have you guys seen the play uh, on the All-22 and seen what happened there? Yes. The play call may not have been as bad as it looked. Our, our rookie stud right guard decided to run into our center instead of blocking his man. <laughs> so uh, that sucked. That sucked. Um, Nathan, let's uh, let's take some patron questions for folks that haven't already. Um, please sign up at patreon.com slash Five bucks, you get immediate access to our Slack channel. We take questions every week. We appreciate it. Um, you know, and as you know, we, we, uh, we're saving up for charity and making a big donation this year. And while we're talking about things that you should absolutely do, please vote. Um, you know, we're in the great experiment known as the American democracy. Make your voice heard. Um, do not wait for election day. It's going to be a nightmare probably. So get out there, vote. Um, and, uh, take part in, in America and what we're doing here in the United States. And that's part of why we don't have Jeff on this week. Uh, we didn't want to hear his Canadian <laughs> bullshit. So <Meh. laughs> we love you, Jeff. Poor Jeff. We love Poor you, Jeff. Jeff. Poor Jeff. All right, Nathan, hit us with, let's do, let's do a, uh, uh, you know, rapid fire one question per person and other people can jump in if they feel absolutely like they need to add their two cents. Okay. Uh, well, uh, I was ready for this and then I uh, was not. Uh, so a couple people uh, asked, um, and I'll throw this one to you, Dana. So with uh, ad- the addition of Dunlap and getting Green back soon, who is going to uh, lose snaps or potentially get uh, cut? So Tyler uh, Geraldes and... Um, sorry, somebody else has to, but uh, you're not getting a shout out. CJ, maybe. Nope, somebody else. Anyways, Dana, what do you think? Who's who's losing okay. stats? And do you think anyone gets kept? All right. I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I was listening, but I only was... At, so when who's coming back, I'm so sorry. So with, with adding Dunlap and, and then Green mm-hmm. coming back soon, um, do you who, who's going to lose snaps in that? Who, yeah. Whose uh, snaps so, are those two? I mean, 
I mean, at the first couple of games, I haven't looked at it in a while, but the first couple of games, wasn't Ben Samayoa basically playing every single snap? Like, at one point, tweeted, wasn't he playing? Yeah, somebody like tweeted today number. that he is six in total snaps for defensive linemen, despite having played one less game than, than most defensive linemen. Right. Um, I mean, yes, it was like a ridiculous up. number. So we're going to assume that obviously Mayo is going to come out and, you know, that we'll have Dunlap come in um, and use that rotation just a little bit more with green. I, I'm not sure what that's going to be. I, I think that um, I, I don't, uh, and you guys haven't said this, so I, I'm just going to say this and you can tell me I'm terribly wrong. Um, but I, I just don't trust that he's going to be ready anytime soon. I don't think that's going to be an impact that we're actually going to see for a handful of games still. I know they have to put him back on the roster within what three after this week, right? Within three games after the or three weeks after this, but I still think that he gets pushed out for a while. I, I think that maybe if he makes it, he's not going to make a huge impact. So I'm not, I wouldn't worry about anyone, you know, taking over those snaps. It's not like he's going to come in and play, you know, he's not going to come in every down guy. He's just not, I don't think that that's what it's going to be. Um, but for um, Dunlap, we can hope that there's a little better rotation and, that and I know Brian hates it when I use the word rotation. <laughs> no, I just no, remember no. the really, really good Seahawk defensive teams use a lot of rotation, and I think that that's what we're missing a little bit. But, um, but I, I would assume that I mean, Mayo make it through the whole season if he's playing ninety percent, ninety nine percent of the snaps. He's just not going to do it. Brian uh, has no clue. Asks. Uh, oh, I he said Brian has no clue. That is no, also no. true. That, that was no, I didn't plan that, but that, that, that was good. Uh, why isn't DK being used on more sweeps and screens and short Ooh. passes? Oh, I'm so glad you gave me this question. It's a great question. So I, I have two different answers on this one. So one, it it is absolutely inexcusable that they are not throwing him more screens. Uh, he, he breaks tackles. He is a straight line speed guy. Um, it's an easy way to get him the ball. Um, it just makes no sense. And so I absolutely believe that they need to do it more. Um, will they do it more? I, I you know, who knows? Um, jet sweeps, though, is the other thing people ask about with this. That's very different. And I think it's a different skill set and a different body type. DK Metcalf, like for all the things he does really well, cornering is not necessarily one of them. Um, that was why he fell to the Seahawks in the first place. <laughs> in the draft. And so, you know, you want a jet sweep guy to be someone more like Tyler Lockett that can take it at full speed and turn the corner. I don't know that DK is, is custom built for that. So um, I don't know that I'm cheering for, for, or hoping to see him get more jet sweeps. I am absolutely hoping to see that he gets more wide receiver screens. Um, Evan, there is David Moore stops holding. David Moore is the one that needs to get more carries. You mentioned that, right? As him as a, he is a he's perfect for that. Absolutely. Evan, there was one in here for you, and I've lost it. Uh it's a really good one too. Okay, I'll keep looking. Um I've I've got one that was on chat that it can be for Evan if you want. Yeah, go for it. This was someone I can't remember who his name was, but he uh he donated on super chat, so we appreciate it. Evan, percentages. Uh what percent fault do you apply to john schneider and to pete carroll for the state of the pass rush 95 percent john schneider five percent i don't even know if pete carroll deserves a single percentage point john schneider is in, is in charge of 
uh, loading this roster with talent. And he had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to improve the pass rush. It is completely insane that they're in this situation right now, uh, 15 months later or whatever it is. Because remember, it was absolutely atrocious last year too. And they waited all offseason and did nothing. So long-winded answer, 95% John Schneider. All right, I found your question too from the Patreon chat. So Jonathan Taylor asks, are they only letting Russ cook so they don't have to rely on Jason Myers' field goals? <laughs> I, I just want to say, Jonathan... Uh, Jason Myers, I'll have you know, doubled his total field goals against Arizona with two going all the way to four. He is four for four. Some kickers do that in a single game, but not Jason Myers. He takes six games to get there. Anyway, so what's your nerds are so mad. The nerds are so mad because Jason Myers field goal percentage is slowly climbing up and he's incredibly slowly because it's but but he's going he's going in the right direction nathan and that's what matters and you know what how many mistakes has jason myers made this year how many mistakes has he made this year zero the same amount of championships that the oregon ducks have zero (laughs) hey will oh random shot of will I'm sorry. Whenever I think, hey, of I have it. a question: Is Jonathan Bullard still the number one pass rusher? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the number one pass rusher in the league? Wasn't that the stat? Yeah, yeah we no. were so proud of him. Oh, okay, no, darn. Um, Maybe he'll lose some he snaps. He did then. <laughs> actually do okay in that game, though. Um, I mean, if I'm being totally honest, so his pass rush grade was not great, but he had a 72 grade from PFF. So that's that's not nothing. That's like yeah, for this defensive line, he's like an all-star. Uh, all right, last one, and I'll get get an answer from everybody. Uh, from Sam Olson. Uh, uh, no, wrong one. Patrick Meany. Uh, I don't think I said his name right, but hopefully. Uh, given the recent additions of Dunlap, Snacks, and with Jamal, Green, uh, Jamal Adams coming back, uh, who will finish with the most sacks this season? Uh, don't limit it to just that. Who's going to finish with the most sacks this year? Dana? Is it hopeful to say Dunlap? <laughs> no, I, I was, that was going to be my answer. I, I, think, I think that that's logically right now. I mean, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the other guys on the team. I'm really not. But you just, I mean, we have nothing to show that they're going to improve hugely. So, yes, I'm going to say Dunlap. Brian? On the team, yeah. Well, no, I mean, if you want to like, go, you can go field if you want to like Jamal Adams. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna go with. Uh, that is all he's good for. After all, he's just. I know Nathan. Yeah, I know you're gonna go there. Edge rusher. So. Is it a hot take to say Darrell Taylor? Yes. Oh my God! It's a. It, it is. <laughs> my God. Because I'm gonna come. I, th- I think if he comes back, he's gonna be really productive. I think he's going to be like that mid-season return where it's just like, holy shit, where did this guy come from? I, I think he's going to be good. That will be an incredible uh, surprise. Thrilled. I mean, how many sacks yeah. does he really need to get to like lead the team? I mean, that's fair. But between being <laughs> a, a rookie and between like coming off of injury and like not even being back yet, like, I mean, who knows if that guy even plays this year? Yeah, a metal plate in your leg and then uh... – showing like deep ankle bend around the edge uh yeah i'm not that's I'm my not prediction a lot of hope 
I like it though, Evan. You know what? Uh, but honestly, that's part of what I like about some of these moves is it means that that can be a bonus and not the only hope. Right. Right. Difference. I just want to say that somebody literally just donated us money and the text in the super chat was Evan 2020. So I, I just want to say I'd make a phenomenal presidential candidate. I please take please go vote, my... but please do not go vote for Evan. <laughs> Don't Evan. Please do That's, not. <laughs> that is like voting for Pedro. It, it, it is. It's not. It's not. Not a good place to spend your time. Um, we got to talk about the 49ers. Um, I know it's it's uh it's nine o'clock uh, or ten even for for maybe for Evan. I don't know. No. nine p.m. Eleven for me. <laughs> it's 11 for dana oh my gosh she's probably on meds too so we're gonna get some good dana here in a second um so the 49ers they've got a longer injury report than the seahawks i'm not gonna go through all of it but their running back position is it's <laughs> crazy uh you know raheem mostert is out uh they went to uh you know, I think his name is Jeff Wilson last week who played really well. He is out. Um, they had Tevin Coleman. He has been out, although it's looking like he may come back this week. Um, and then they've got Jermichael Hasty and Jarek McKinnon. Um, and and Jermichael Hasty, for people that don't know, is a rookie and, and they're pretty high on him, but that's tough. Debo Samuel is out, as we mentioned before. I think that's a huge, huge loss for that mm-hmm. team. Um, they're without Quan Alexander. We know they're already without Nick Bosa and Richard Sherman and both safeties, uh, Jacorsi's Tart and, and uh, Jimmy Ward. So like there's a long list of guys. And I think, I think Jason Verrett didn't practice today, but I'm not sure it was injury related. So um, all that said, the 49ers are playing their best football this season by a long shot. So um, Dana, Mm-hmm. how are you feeling about this matchup? Like w- w- when you look at this game, what, what's your, what do you, where do your eyes and kind of take you? Well, it's difficult because I think, like you said, we we've seen maybe three different versions of this team, right? We've seen the ones that get blown out by the Miami dolphins and then the team who comes back and beats the Rams. I think this is, it's a little hard to put your finger on, but what, what we know for sure is Jimmy Garoppolo still has only thrown for a thousand yards and you know, he still only has what seven touchdowns to four interceptions. I mean, he's, he, he's not a threat. We know he's not a threat. And even as bad as the Seahawks defense is, they can handle that. I think for the most part, their run game could be a little bit better, but like you said, their run game is completely gutted right now. And so it's interesting when you look on the offensive side of the ball, even with the woes of the Seattle defense, I I don't get too overly nervous. Kittle's a Kittle. You know what I mean? He, he, he is who he is. And and if Seattle's smart, God, they're smart. You know, they just keep someone on him at all times. But for the most part, I think that they don't make the offensive side of the ball. Doesn't make me nervous. The defensive side of the ball compared to the way Russell's been playing. I'm, I'm not that nervous about that either. Do you know what I mean? They have, they have some good players, but they lost their best player at the beginning of the season on the defense, you know, with Bosa being gone. And so I think that it, when I look at this, it has to be more mistake free than the Arizona game was, but Seattle really controls this one in in my mind. The Seattle offense controls this one in my mind. 
Interesting. And, and for folks that don't know, their starting center, Ben Garland, also out. And Hieronymus Grassu played last week and was awful um, at, at center for them. Uh, Nathan. Kyle Shanahan's damn good. I mean, there's no other way to look at it other than this guy is making something out of not a lot. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, I think, has been a great rookie and a, a terrific addition to that team. Mm -hmm. um, what's your, you know, what's your view of, of how the Seahawks match up against this 49ers team? Um, I mean, I think you kind of nailed it earlier when you said that, uh, you know, really wanting Jamal Adams back for this game. Um, the way he flew around and cleaned up everything in that Atlanta game, right? Uh, if he was here uh, and playing like that against this team, that would be huge. And I, I would say that the matchup was, you know, even though the, the CX defense isn't strong, uh, I think that could be really favorable for them. Uh, without that, I think they match up against this team like they match up against pretty much any team it's it's uh it's just a shootout right i mean it's a base race to you know whoever gets to 41st probably wins and uh that's kind of the deal so um i don't know that this team really presents anything too unique especially with their injury situation um and without jamal adams it's hard to to say that that seattle really poses any kind of interesting challenge uh to the niners yeah, I mean, it's interesting, Evan. Um, as much as I have tons of respect for Kyle Shanahan, the Seahawks have actually, like, unlike uh, Sean McVay, they've actually matched up reasonably well. Last year, mm -hmm. you know, a far, you know, more weaponized 49ers offense um, uh, did not do a lot against the Seahawks. In fact, Seahawks were able to hold uh, no one on the 49ers running back um, committee rushed for more than 57 yards against the Seahawks last year. And this is a team that does a lot of wide receiver screens and, and, and uh, jet sweeps and KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner. Those are the, those guys tend to blow up and make difficult. So is this a game that you think the Seahawks match up well and can feel confident about, or is this a game that you're like, Oh my gosh, this defense can't defend anybody. And this 49ers defense is still playing really well. It's not going to take a lot for this thing to flip the other direction and for the Seahawks to, to have two straight losses. Yeah. My concern is not really Seattle's run defense on that, on that San Francisco um, running game. It's more about our consistency in tackling. Like we, we saw um, a very poor disciplined tackling football team against, against the Cardinals. And if that continues against the 49ers, they are going to dink and dunk us in yards after they catch us to death. I don't care how many players they have out. George Kittle is still there. Um, what's his name? Brandon Ayuk. Like they, they still have playmakers despite um, being absolutely decimated. I, I just, I do not want to, I do not want to underestimate this Niners team at all. Um, this is a divisional game still. Uh, the Niners may be decimated on both sides of the ball, especially the defensive line. But man, uh, how how encouraging would it be to see the Seattle defense show up on Sunday and just have a good end to end 
defensive performance. That would be like one of the most encouraging things we could see on Sunday, in my opinion. I Russell Wilson will most likely rebound. I I, I think the offense will be productive, but man, if they can, even if they can have a strong def- defensive performance against this 49ers offense, I'm feeling, I'm feeling really good. Yeah. I'd like to be six feet tall on Sunday. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. I mean, it's not that hard. <laughs> you just wake up and you're over six feet tall. Yeah. Like no, you don't have my genes, Mr. Uh, Viking. D Ford so, is out too, by the way, we should nope. remember that D Ford. He's out through yes, week 11. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it would take the other half of the show to just go through their injuries. Um, yeah, I, I, I'll tell you one thing we haven't talked about that I think is, is meaningful for this game. Snacks Harrison, you, you signed this guy to the practice squad two weeks ago. Every other team in the NFL has tried to sign him off your practice squad. He stuck around. You cut Anthony Rush today, the defensive tackle. I was hoping to see uh snacks harrison moved to the active roster logical thought there is if he's going to be activated it'll happen on saturday and it won't show up because if he was to get injured or something you'd have to put him on ir so they'll slow roll it i think with ben garland out and the middle of that line vulnerable especially the 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 right side of that line i think snacks harrison could be a sneaky big addition for this game if you get snacks and you get jamal adams I feel a heck of a lot better. Um, what are the chances of Jamal Adams playing right now in your gut? 75%. Really? That's pretty high. Yeah. I was thinking 60, 40. I think that he has a good chance of playing. Even with not practicing today. Mm-hmm. I don't when, like I said, Wednesday the injury reports don't bother me as much. What if he doesn't practice tomorrow? Ooh, it goes way down then. 40%. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So tomorrow's yep. really the day. Yeah. Okay. Uh, And I think the thing that is maybe other than the things I just mentioned that would be most encouraging is like Russell Wilson, he left that game taking the full brunt of responsibility for Mm -hmm. for losing it. And I don't think it was fully his fault at all. We all know that it it was a lot of people made mistakes in that game, but he contributed a lot to that loss more than he usually would. He wanted to play the next day. I, I feel like this is a guy that doesn't generally have two bad games in a row. This is a guy that is itching to get a, back out there and has actually played reasonably well against the 49ers. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that that's, you know, it, between generally in the NFL, the better quarterback wins, generally mm-hmm. speaking. And uh, there's no doubt that the Seahawks have a massive advantage at that position going to this game. So I think that's, that's the most encouraging part. I just want to say, I, I completely agree with that, Brian. And that's why the Cardinals won on Sunday. you know you're right kyler murray outplayed russell wilson oh totally and he did he did he looked really good on sunday like i i know i know all this narrative and storyline is around seattle shooting themselves in the foot but i thought kyler looked good dana did you have something you want to I'm say? saying nothing because Evan and I actually got to a place where we agreed on a lot of things and I'm trying to like not rock the boat, but his obsession with Kyler Murray is annoying as shit to me. So <laughs> it's like, here's the thing. It's just, it's like, yes, the kid looks great when he can run around like, you know, the Tasmanian devil because his line is, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to, we'll just let that be. So Had you, a real, you know, real I pretty think, ball to, uh, to Hopkins. 
I agree. No, I don't think the kid's untalented. I think the kid has a lot of talent, but I don't know. It's just Evan's level because he lives in Arizona. So he's like, up here. I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> time. Whatever. I don't have time. He's just, he's just trying to find your weak spots, Danny. You cannot show that. You cannot let him know what bothers you because he'll just cut, come back to him. He already knows. That happened like a month ago <laughs> when I lost my crap. I wouldn't let anyone talk bad about Marshall and Lynch. He's like, oh, there it is. <laughs> let me give you a little tip. You got to go on the offensive. So, so Kyler Murray, like he will have bad games. You just got to make sure to, to remind Evan when those. Do we want to have a conversation about how Marshawn Lynch was the least important part of their Super Bowl team? Oh, or should no. we say that? I'm, ready. I'm ready to have that conversation. No, 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 no. Let's do predictions. <laughs> Let's do predictions. <laughs> Bye. Bye, Dana. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I can't handle that. I'll, I I won't sleep tonight. Uh, yeah. So, um, oh, Nathan, we're going to start with you. What What is your score prediction for this game? You know, I'm never ready for this. <laughs> I'm never. Uh, I'm not ready for this. I'm going to go. I uh, 34-28 Seahawks. That's a good score. I like that one. Um, Evan. No, go to Dana. I need time to think. (laughs) Okay. Dana. I'm going to do 31-17 Seattle. Ooh. So who is the the defensive? That's going to be mad. So the 31, that's easy, right? But the 17, who who shows up to keep the, the Niners at 17? Do you want to call your shot on like oh, a defensive think, MVP? I think... I'm sorry. What? Do you want to like call your shot on a defensive MVP or like, how does that happen? No, you know, it just kind of comes back to a couple of the games earlier in the season. They held them at the end. Do you know what I mean? They made those big plays at the end when they needed to. And I think even KJ said something about that. So I, I think the Seattle defense is going to come out a little stronger. I do think Adams will play. And I think that'll be a huge part of it, but I still think we'll probably get kittled a couple times just because that's what tight ends do to Seattle sometimes. So, and then they'll hold one, but I think, and I just, I have absolutely no faith in Garoppolo. So I think that Russell's going to come out mad. He's going to score a lot. And then they hold, they hold San Francisco back. I'm going to go with 34 to 20. Did anybody say that? I hope not. 34 to 20 Seahawks. See, he agrees with me. (laughs) Yeah, um, I'm not going to say the score. It's in my head. I will say that the Seahawks will win 23 to 22. I almost Why went so with a low? Niners win. Um, I think the Seahawks are going to have more trouble scoring this game than we want. Um, mm. And uh, I hope that's not true, but that, that's, that's a concern I have. Uh, and I'm really hoping that the 49ers also struggle to score. Um, if not, I, I will say if the, if the 49ers score over 30 points in this game, I think the Seahawks take the L. Okay. So, uh, is this a must win game? Their way with it. No, it's not yeah. must win, but, but. Here's the thing. You go 0-3 in the division if you drop this game. Right now. 0-2. Oh, and two. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Cardinals are 2-0. and That's what was, that was, it was on my mind. But, yeah. 
Um, dropping your first, first two division games is a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's like a dagger to this season in any way, though. I think Not with the way the rest of the season lines up. Yeah. Their, their schedule the rest of the way is, other than like, mm-hmm. next, like three games after this, are, is so easy. Um, I just don't, I don't think that's the case. But if you want to get number one seed, depends on what, what you talk about must win. But Well, you know. that's kind of, that. maybe I should have stated that then. So with the expectations of a number one seed, is Sunday a must win game? I think so. It's not like truly must win, but I think it's I I think it's pretty cool. To feel comfortable, I think you need yeah. to win. But that's the thing, you know, Seahawks don't do anything comfortably. <laughs> like they're not just gonna roll to fourteen or fifteen wins. I mean, they should be six and zero right now. They absolutely should be six and zero after last week, and they're not. Um, you you always regret those, always, always, always. Um, you look back at those games and you're like, how did we drop that game? So um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I think this is, this is huge. And God knows um, Evan, at least you and I have to beware come Sunday. If anything goes wrong for the Seahawks, uh, we'll have to call a witness protection to make sure we don't get mauled by, by the 40, the bang, bang gang. Bing, bing, and you gang. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Four and three. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> thanks everybody for tuning in. Um, have a wonderful, wonderful week. Um, please join over at patreon.com slash hawkblogger. If you haven't already, subscribe here. Click the bell to get notified when we go live. Um, I do plan on doing a, a podcast with Softy this week. I was just too lazy last week and couldn't, couldn't bring myself to do it, but we will, we will try to make that happen. We will have a post-game show and let's hope to God it is a celebratory one because man, it will be fun. So uh, Seahawks face 49ers. I believe it's a one o'clock start or right around then um, this weekend. Take care of yourselves and go Hawks. <laughs>